0: Hey, it's Scott. And today I was going to talk a little bit about American Vampire. Our final issue comes out, American Vampire 1976, number 10. And I think it constitutes probably about our 50th or 60th issue. I've written about as much of this series as as anything, even Batman. And I have such big feelings about it, I guess. (laughs) American Vampire is the series that launched my whole comics career. It's the one that really made my dreams come true, not to sound too corny, but everything began with this one. So for me, when when I first pitched it, the way that it all happened was I was working in books. I had always wanted to be a comic book writer, artist, both like Frank Miller, or Mike Mignola, And then in college, uh, I had even kept up with illustration then, but I realized, you know, in my late teens, early twenties that I I wasn't good enough. Um, And so I fell more into fiction and I went to grad school for fiction and I traveled around the country and worked some odd jobs. And I wrote a collection of short stories and I was lucky enough to find an agent and sell them. And So I was working in books uh, in 2006, 2007, and I had done this collection of short stories that had done pretty well for me. And I was working on a novel, essentially, for the same publisher, for Random House, for Dial. And what happened was I had signed this two-book deal with Random House where they had taken the stories, but really what they were after even more, I think, was the, the second book, the novel, and they had taken it on spec. And it was about aviation in the early 1900s. And I really loved it, but it was a quieter book. And as the economy crashed and contracted in the 2007, 2008, the book market began to dry up and it became clear that this was a book that to get its advance back or to earn back its advance would need to be a big bestseller. And so even though my publisher was really nice, I felt this huge pressure because we had just moved and bought a house and we'd had a baby who's now 14, but back then was just barely anything. And I had totally misjudged everything where I I realized that the only way I was going to get the money that I thought I was promised was to write something that was going to be hugely successful. And so I, I started changing the story, adding a love interest, giving it a villain, all of this stuff. And it was the most miserable period of my life. I had the job that I thought I wanted. I was a writer, but I would go downstairs and work on this book and just hate it. I kept saying to myself, just get this one done, do this one for them, and then you'll do one for you. You know, you can do a version of it or another story that's more yourself. This is just so that you can pay the bills. And I was drinking too much. I mean, the whole thing, my marriage was straining. It was, it was really awful. And amidst this, I got an offer from a friend of mine, Owen King, to be in a anthology of short stories about superheroes. And I had never stopped reading comics. My local comic store out here, Fourth World, was like my hideout, the place that I went to escape all the pressure. I was really close with everybody there. And Owen was like, you know, this is an anthology for writers who love comic books, but are in the literary world and want to make up new superheroes or supervillains. So a lot of it was funny and humorous. There was like a story about a support group for superheroes with awful powers. Like one of them never had to go to the bathroom and he was always like, well, where does it all go? (laughs) You know, but I took it really seriously and I did this kind of tragic story about a a kid that was too close to the bikini Atoll tests on his ship in the um, 1950s and wound up irradiated and came back with these kind of powers. And it caught the attention of... Mark Doyle and Janine Schaefer, who at that time were uh, young editors at Marvel, uh, DC and Marvel, respectively. And they came to the reading for the book. And at the end, they asked us all if any of us were comic fans. And I had comics in my bag. And so I started talking to both of them, unaware that they were a couple, by the way. Um, They didn't tell me for a long time after. And one of the funny things was like, I started working for Janine at Marvel. And Mark at DC and Janine would be like, how's it going over at DC? And I would say, oh, it's good. Except, you know, I wish my editor would call me back. And then suddenly Mark would call me back (laughs) or he'd be like, "Uh, how's it going at Marvel? And I'd be like, it's great, but I'm still waiting on notes from my editor. And then I'd get those notes like (laughs) a couple days later. So I'm not Batman. It took me way too long to figure out that they were together. Now they're married, have two beautiful children. We're extremely close. They're basically the best Marvel DC crossover that ever happened. But the point is, they got me pitching for both Marvel and DC. And I met with Mark, I I vividly remember this, at a pizza place, like a a restaurant across from the DC offices. And I was so nervous, because I was like, this is my chance to pitch. And I remember my wife kept just being like, well, why are you in this writing a story for this anthology, when if you just finish these books, this book, you'll, you'll be out from under the boot and not so stressed. And I was like, you know, because it's the only thing I'm happy with right now, writing-wise. It just was such a joy to write this story and get out of the pressure. And then when I was pitching, she was like, aren't comic books, is that really going to pay anything? And I was like, look, this is, just let me go see what it is, please. Let let me figure it out. And so when I came back from this meeting, Mark and I connected right away. And uh, what happened was we started talking ideas and I pitched him a couple ideas, but my favorite was American Vampire, which I think was called... The hunted, or something like that, back then. And he suggested calling it American Vampire uh, not long after. And, um, you know, I, I revised. He asked me to go back and write an outline, write a pitch. And I did. He had to coach me through it. He sent me a couple examples secretly of other series to help me. And he coached me through it. And we became close friends during this time because we saw it as a series that if we could get through, would be something we could work on together and, and it might make both of our careers. And I vividly remember, again, my wife being like, but if you do this, you're not going to be able to write the book. Right. And I said, no, 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 I can do both. I think, but I don't know if this will pay anything. I don't know if we'll go through. And she was amazing. She just said, listen, let's take out another loan, go over work in comics, dissolve this book contract. Even if we are going to take a risk, you seem happy doing this. You're miserable doing that. I'll always be grateful to her for that. Among many other like myriad of things. So I developed this pitch with Mark We gave it to Will Dennis, who's my editor here at Best Jacket, one of my closest friends. He gave it to Karen Berger, who was amazingly supportive. And at first it got rejected. I remember exactly where I was when it got rejected. I was sitting outside my kid's daycare and Mark called me heartbroken. And he said, you know, it's just that Westerns right now aren't doing great and vampires are all over the place. And I was like, but you know, and I know it's not a Western. It's about Pearl and it's about Skinner. But More than that, it's a look at American history through the lens of these two different vantage points. One character who's the best of us and one character who's kind of the worst of us. One character who wants to be part of something bigger than herself and espouses all these great American kind of principles and ideals, even if she doesn't realize it. And one character who's kind of all of our worst impulses about being big and selfish and greedy and having your name in lights and everything being about you and creating reality around yourself. So he said, I know, but you know, they just said no. So I was like, can you give me a weekend to just rewrite it? And he says, look, they don't really look at pitches twice. And I said, please like, just give me a chance. So he said he would do his best. And I spent the whole weekend rewriting the pitch handed it in and Will and Karen gave it another look. And a couple weeks later, I remember exactly where I was yet again. I was teaching down at NYU and I was walking through the East village. And I got the call from Mark, who was like, guess what, man? I was like, no, no, you have to be kidding me. Don't, don't fuck with me on this. And he was like, it's true. It went through. And I I was so ecstatic. I just remember like literally jumping up and down on the sidewalk. on like, you know, 14th street and Broadway. And uh, it changed my life. I mean, I knew whatever happened, I would have a book on the stands and comics And then not to get too off topic, but then the crazy thing happened where they asked me if I knew anyone in the book world that could write something promotional for it now that it was through and the deal was going to get announced. And I said, well, I know Stephen King from the book world. And I wrote him and asked him if it was possible for him to write a blurb. And he said, send him the series. And I did. I sent him the pitch. And then he wrote back and said. Oh, I think, uh, I'll, uh, maybe I'll write, uh, uh, an issue with this sometime. You know, you can tell them that. And I'm like, I can't tell them that because if I do, they'll want you to write the first issue. And he said, no, no, no. Tell him. So I called them and I left a message on Friday afternoon after the offices were closed saying, listen, Stephen King might be up for writing an issue. And I remember it was like 8:30 in the morning on a Monday. Then that Monday I got the call from them being like, did you say Stephen King is willing to write his first comic for American vampire? And Unfortunately, i had already sold it at that point. So I had no, I didn't get any more money for it. But Stephen King, and Steve as he asks you to call him, was the nicest guy. He came in and he was supposed to write one issue. He lost himself in the story in the best way, the way all great writers can sometimes and should. And he wound up writing five issues. He was an incredible guide and mentor for us. He created characters along the way. And he would only work for the minimum page rate with no equity. And it was amazing. He was just the best participant. He would mess with you too. Like he would write an ending where Skinner turned into a bat. And I would be like, oh my God, I have to tell Stephen King, our vampires don't work that way. And I would call him and he'd be like, oh, I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) And he'd write the real ending. But then the last thing I'll say is soon into the process, Mark introduced me to the work of Raphael Albuquerque. And I loved it right off the bat. I saw his blue beetle and some other things. And Mark said, let's ask him to do samples. And so he did some samples and we really didn't even look at anyone else. It was the first one. And I was like, this is him. He gets who Skinner is and Pearl is. And it's perfect. It's this adaptable style. And we reached out and we hit it off right away. He was a fan of all the same things I was. We both had like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid posters and all the kind of big American mythology And when he signed on, he signed on as a work for hire. We soon made him co-creator. And this team, him, Dave McKeague, who came in to color it and has been with us from the very beginning, tells a story through color. Steve Wands, who's been lettering it from the the early days. And Mark Doyle, you know, stayed with it until he left D.C. Maggie Howell, who picked it up and and has been an absolutely incredible steward and leader for the team. We had a short stint with a great editor named Ellie Pyle. But this team has, has generally stayed intact, you know, from the beginning to now. And, and we've been family on the book, you know, and that that to me is a huge accomplishment in and of itself. And I can't thank you guys enough for letting us do this series this long. I mean, we're ending it on our own terms. And I do think like all great monsters, it'll come back someday in another form. But it felt like this was the right time to do this ending that we had planned from the very beginning And if if I could, I'd include the outline document, but it's Property of DC, that has the uh, outline for this very last arc, 1976, in the initial pitch document. So there was a lot of surprising discoveries and wonderful detours along the way, but this ending was always the ending, and it's an amazing feeling to get here today and have this arc wind up being even more resonant and relevant to all of us in these times than we expected. So... Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much it means to have gotten to do the series this way with these people and with you. On to the next, right? As Skinner would say, off we go.